Every week, we watch five new movies or Disney Plus original episodes and have an in-depth discussion about what they did right, wrong, and everything in between. Join us as we relive our childhood, learn about what our parents called the good old days, and discover what kids are talking about now. I'm Morgan. And I'm Tyler. And, and we, we are, are discussing, discussing Disney+. Plus. In episode 13, we will discuss Star Wars, episode 4, A New Hope. Alright, going into our initial thoughts here, what were yours? My initial thoughts? I mean, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I've seen this movie like a bazillion times. So, I mean, as always, I'm just excited just to watch a Star Wars movie. You know, this one particularly isn't like my favorite, you know, but that's... Take that with a grain of salt because, I, again, I love all the Star Wars movies. But either way, I think the thing that was most excited for me watching this now is you watching it, like actually giving it a watch for the first time. So fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I guess my initial thoughts is um, I am all about avoiding hype. So like I hadn't seen Frozen until this weekend because I just don't like hype things like. I try to avoid them, so I've never watched them. And I don't like 70s movies. Like, the graphics and things are just ridiculous. So, that, that's my it issue. It kills me that you say that. I know. That's just my issue with, like, 70s and, like, 80s movies. Going into the 90s and stuff, it gets better. But, I just, I can't handle it. So, those are just initial thoughts. Ugh. Heading on into the movie. Um, I guess the first thing I really want to talk about is, well, the first thing I noticed is how much of a similar lives that Luke and Anakin lived in the beginning. I mean, I noticed that right away because I've seen, you know, one, two, and three a lot because I, I like those movies. Right. Um, so, I mean, is it on the same planet? Yeah, Tatooine. And how, how are those people his uncle and aunt? Aunt for Luke? Yeah. Yeah, that's his uncle and aunt. And who, who, are, but who are they? Like, to him. To Luke? Yeah. Like... Are they his mom's kids? Well, no, they're... So, Anakin's mom had gotten married after Anakin left Tatooine um, to Lars. And Uncle Owen is Lars' kid. So, it's basically Anakin's... Um, Stepdad's... <clears throat> well, no, it's Anakin's step-sibling. Step oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. And so that would make Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru... Like step... Step-uncle and uncle. Okay. Okay, now I understand that. Um, you know, they live, he lives pretty desolate, kind of always wanting and feeling like he should do more and, you know, had the pull to do better and do other things. And, like, finally getting out, out of there. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, obviously it happens a little later in his life than it happened to Anakin. Oh, yeah, Anakin's is very early in his life. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really interesting how they were living similar lives. and. But they, they both... I mean, and we'll get into this so much more throughout watching all of these movies, but they both had a lot of the same challenges. You know, they both were being refused training in the Force initially because of their age. Even though Luke was significantly older and Anakin was a lot younger, when Anakin was trying to, be, to learn the Force and enter the Jedi Academy, he was still very old for what the age typically was. And Luke was, you know, an adult, and Yoda was like, no, he's too old, blah, blah, blah. You know, but the other thing, too, is they both get their hand cut off, you know, at some point. Both both in the second movie of their trilogies, and both in a very, like, epic kind of duel. I guess I've never seen. And that's one of my, I mean, I love so many things about these Star Wars movies, but, like, I think the one thing that shadows over all 
of my love for the Star Wars movies is just how much the trilogies like mirror each other in the sense of like it's like destiny you know in the sense that destiny is such a powerful force you know and I mean we're talking about the force in Star Wars and just how like if the force wills it it's going to happen just like things like that I guess now that you're saying that like Ray's childhood was kind of the same yes like I guess okay I mean it wasn't the same planet but 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 it was was very much the same as you know she lived on a on a desert planet always wanting more you know and then she has a very similar path not as much about learning the force um although I have my opinions on how things went down in The Last Jedi but that's for another day um but yeah it Again, it's just one of the... I'll sound like a rambling idiot. I'll look like that Charlie Day meme where he has like that, that board behind him with... Like, yeah, I wish I wish we could put pictures up on this podcast, but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but I'm that guy, you know? If somebody mentions Star Wars at work, I'm, I'm the guy that babbles on for two hours about random stuff. And another thing that I just absolutely love with the Star Wars movies and something that like created a love in other movies for me is the music. John Williams is a straight up boss, right? The music that he has created for these movies, it's just legendary. It's hard, so hard to express, but just from like the minute the movie starts, you know, and it's this very sinister, what's happening, what's going to happen kind of sound. And then just throughout the whole, the whole movie, I mean, the music in, the, in these movies are just as important as the words or the visuals. And I mean, did you notice that at all watching this or... Yeah, but I think the only, the only reason I know of him is, um, what is it? There, wasn't there a skit on him in, like, The Whitest Kids You Know? Yes, oh that's, my god. That's the only reason I'm pretty I sure I'm him. the one that showed you that, because it is just so funny. If you haven't watched that, look it up on YouTube. Just Whitest Kids You Know, John Williams. So hilarious. Um, you should also look up the Abraham Lincoln skit, if you look up on The Whitest Kids You Know, because it's the best skit in the entire world. <laughs> But anyway, um, the, but, and again, like, so in, in my opinion, in in this movie where the music really, like, has its biggest effect, in my opinion, is, um, where Luke is looking out into the sunset, and there's just big symphonic sound, just very much of an overture kind of sound, and he's just looking at, you know, the, the, the sons of Tatooine, and... Uh, it just every time I see it, I still get goosebumps every time, and it also makes me think about in the Family Guy version of the movie. Uh, I think it's Chris who plays Luke. Chris says, "Oh, and uh, he introduces a different orchestra. It's not the John Williams orchestra, but it's it's still funny." And that's the other thing I wanted to, to mention too. And I won't go into any details, but it's so funny watching these movies now after seeing the Robot Chicken Star Wars and the Family Guy Star Wars you know, parodies. It's just so funny because you, you watch these and you remember things from that and it makes me think of funny things. And I, most of them aren't appropriate for, for this podcast. But, um, and also, I like go through this whole movie like just quoting the movie. I'm sure that was annoying to you. No, I do it. I do it on occasion to different movies. So That's fair. I, I don't get annoyed by that. I grew up with it, you know, my sister. She pretty much talked over every movie, so you just had to get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like Amanda. She, it's not like she's not going to listen to this or anything. <laughs> Sorry, Amanda. Um, you know, and... 
kind of like so I know one thing we're going to talk about is like the added scenes but before we talk about that this is kind of related but Obi-Wan's hunting call so the first appearance appearance of Obi-Wan in this movie you know is when Luke gets attacked by the Tusken Raiders and they're the Tusken Raiders are ravaging you know Luke's speeder and Obi-Wan comes up and he does something called a uh, a crate dragon hunting cry and if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Now, depending on the version that you watch, if you watch any version that came out before the Blu-ray version, it was a very interesting sound. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and try and, and repeat the sound. Wait, so the Blu-ray version and after have different sounds? It's, 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 it's not a different sound. It's just added on. Like, they added on to it. And honestly, it annoyed me. Like, I hate the new version of, of The Hunting Cry. And the way it was before was just so much better. And it's so silly. Like, I don't know. I, I pay way too much attention to this Hunting Cry. Because if you've ever read the Star Wars books in the Thrawn trilogy, in the first book of that trilogy, Luke uses that Hunting Cry. And I think that's just so cool. that. And I was looking at some research on it. It's not as much of a Jedi ability as it is a... Um, just someone from Tatooine like obviously it's enhanced by the force because a normal person can't make a noise as loud as that but anyway I mean so going into that so kind of going into added things like every time you know it's come out on a new version of VHS or DVD or um, Blu-ray there's always new stuff that's added so I'm just curious like is that is that um, George Lucas going back and adding these things? Yeah. So these are just things he thought about later on that he wanted in the Pretty movies. Pretty much. Because I, I mean, when I saw the, the Jabba scene, I was obviously like, this did not come out in the 70s because that is way too advanced. And I saw what he looked like. It was like definitely a like, puppety thing before. In, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. like, it was really obvious that it was different. And I didn't understand why it was necessary to add it, I guess. Like... There's a couple different things. I mean, again, it's just... It adds to Han Solo's story, you know, moving forward. Because, I I mean, in in this whole movie, Han Solo's main worry is just getting money to pay off Jabba so Jabba doesn't go after him. You know what I mean? And so it adds to that. And then it... For for people who see these movies for the first time, it, it helps explain things more. Instead of waiting till Return of the Jedi to see Jabba for the first time. Because Jabba's talked about in episodes four and five quite a bit because of Han Solo. You know, I mean, Han Solo's storyline in both episode four and five is all about, again, him getting to Jabba to pay him back and things like that. So so previous to these edits, Jabba wasn't seen until the sixth movie. Right. Or the third. Well, episode six, yes. Um, And, yeah, so I think... I I see the purpose, you know, I, I get it. But at the same time, like, and you, you know me, you know, I always complain about, you know, things are not left to the imagination anymore. Yeah. Everything, every tiny little detail has to be explained. You know, that's why movies now, I'm not complaining about the, the length of time for Star Wars, but now, you know, 2019, almost every movie is at least, at least two hours, if not more. It's so hard to come by a movie that's not two hours or more because... Again, people don't like to use their imagination anymore and, like, think about things for themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I, I know what you're saying, and 
everyone always wants a second movie and a third movie because they don't have an imagination. They want stories to finish. And I think half of the beauty of, you know, books and any, any sort of, like, media like that is, is having the imagination to, to, to finish the storyline yourself. That's, well, that's why I love Star Wars books. Because, I mean, Star Wars books, cre- you know, they you have enough base knowledge, right? The main core set of characters, you know, and if they do revisit planets, you do have a base set of imagery to read these books, but they add so much more. And, be, and that's one of the amazing things about the Star Wars universe is there's just so much. There's, it's never-ending. And you, your imagination is limitless when when you're thinking about these new characters and these new places, you know. And then you finally get to see them, and even though it might not have been what you imagined, it really is just cool to like finally see something on screen or in a comic book or some you know a drawing from somebody that's from well now Disney but before Lucas Films. And it's, even though, again, might not, have been, might not have been what you imagined, it's still cool to compare and like, oh, well, you know, that is actually a really cool way to look at it and things like that. Um, and, again, I can ramble on for days and days on things I love about Star Wars, but we should continue talking about it. Yeah, and then the, the next big thing I want to mention is kind of like a, it's actually really big, um, the hero's journey. Ugh. I'll try to keep this rant down to like a couple minutes, but not even a rant. But the hero- if for anybody who doesn't know what the hero's journey is, can you explain the cycle? I, w- I won't go into all the details right now because we'll talk about it a lot through watching the Star Wars movies and talking about it on here. But basically, the hero's journey is something that was created by John Campbell. There's a book about it, and I've never actually read the book. I've done most of my research on it on the internet. But basically, it's just self-explanatory. It's the it's the the detailed version of like how the journey of the hero should go and the uh, there's so many things that kind of like happen just in this movie alone but over the course of this trilogy um like for example meeting Mm obi-wan obi-wan is obviously a very huge part to luke skywalker's character he's the mentor and so that's the start of the journey it's not the start of the journey no the start of the journey is birth normally and you know, we'll talk more details on the birth and when we watch episode three, Revenge of the Sith, because that's Luke's start on the journey. Because and the birth of the hero is supposed to be something very like it's supposed to be a big deal. And obviously. It and is. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so and the, and that's the thing. But obviously we that wasn't discussed at this point in when this movie came out and when the story was written. So but the key points in in my opinion on the hero's journey in this movie um, starting out was meeting the mentor, right? Which is obviously Obi-Wan. Um, the call to adventure, that's a very big, big deal. That's when, because a lot of times the hero, in like Luke's case, is very stuck in his ways. He doesn't want to go on the adventure because somebody else in his life has kind of kept him from that adventure. And like Uncle Owen very much did. They were so afraid of, of Luke becoming Anakin. You know, because that was the whole point. That's why Luke went to Tatooine. You know, or like that's why Luke was brought to Tatooine, I should say. Um, but his call to adventure was when, you know, they were they they found the the Jawa transport attacked by stormtroopers, and you know, at that point, Obi Wan had already said, you know, come with me to Alderaan, learn the ways of the Force, you know, help me save the galaxy. And Luke's like, no way, I gotta help Uncle Owen with the harvest. And I mean, geez, old man, like, get out of my way. 
and he goes back. He goes home, you know, worried that his aunt and uncle were were in danger. And he gets there, and obviously they're killed. And he realizes, well, there's there's nothing left from here for me here on this planet. Maybe I do have a higher purpose. So he goes back to Obi Wan and says, you know what, I I do want to go with you to Alderaan. I, I do want to learn the ways of the Force. You know. And um, and that, that's how I interpret it. And that's the other thing, great thing about the hero's journey is it's really a, a, up to your own personal interpretation, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then the other thing as far as right now what we're talking about is crossing the threshold, right? Now, crossing the threshold is also a big point because it's basically leaving familiar territory and going on to their adventure, Right. So, leaving Tatooine, when they blast out of Tatooine in the Millennium Falcon with Han Solo and Chewbacca, like, that's a huge deal. That's a big deal for Luke, because he's never left Tatooine before. You know, you could even say maybe going to Mos Eisley was a big deal. He probably never went to Mos Eisley either. So, another big part of the hero's journey, at least starting out, is the belly of the whale. And that also brings us into something else that we want to talk about, is the trash compactor scene. And... In my opinion, is probably one of the more well-known scenes from the movie, because it's, it's a big deal. I mean, they almost get you know turned into little human pancakes, you know. Um, but they but they go through something called the belly of the whale, you know. Now this is probably out of all of the Star Wars movies, this is probably the least dramatic version of the belly of the whale. Um, but the whole point of the belly of the whale, in this sense, is you know they're um, encountering. It always says like a minor danger, but this is kind of a serious danger. And it was like kind of a setback. You know, they, they go down in this trash compactor trying to escape from the stormtroopers. And then they're kind of locked in there. And thankfully, you know, C-3PO and R2-D2 save them. Oh, you mean like another day's ex-machina? Yeah, pretty much. All odds are against them and they, they figure it out. Right? So and swoops in at the last minute and saves them. Now, I know watching that scene, this is one of the scenes that more or less interests you... Yeah, so the pole in the scene where I believe it's Leia is trying to keep the thing from closing in on them. Um, That pole was also seen in The Mandalorian in the episode where he steals the baby Yoda back. Oh, really? It's in the room by a door. And the only reason I know that is because it was in like a a fan trivia thing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, so if you go back and watch Mandalorian, I think it was the second episode. Well, when he, yeah. Yeah, second yeah. episode. So go back in and watch the second episode of Mandalorian where he's, like, in there with the baby Yoda, like, fighting his way out. There's the pole leaned up against the wall, and it's the same one that is in here. Hmm. Very interesting. Yep. I didn't even notice that. Look I only knew that, again, because I saw it on IMDb, and then it mm-hmm. happened to pop up here. Oh. Well, very interesting. And, you know, after that scene is when they go to escape the Death Star, right? And they're, they're finally, they see the light at the end of the tunnel, they're right there at the Millennium Falcon, and, well, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader are having a little uh, disagreement. <laughs> you know, they're, they're doing their, their monumental lightsaber battle. You know, lightsaber fight, I well, should say. That scene reminded me of the scene in the other set of movies where they have to wait for the doors to open and they can only get closer every time. Oh, in Phantom Menace? Is that what happens, right? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know. Does someone die there? Important? 
Yeah, Qui-Gon. Okay, so they're they're trying to get there, and they have to, like, sit there and watch it kind of thing. They don't get to... Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, they're they're way across. There's really no way to get to... And there was also a, a squadron of stormtroopers in between them as well. And... But Obi-Wan's whole plan... He, I mean, again, Obi-Wan being as in tune with the Force as he is... So did he just, like, yeah, like suck himself into the Force? I don't know what the right word is. We don't even want to get into that. Okay. But... Or I can in a minute. But he he knew that this was his end as far as, as his human form. He knew that his purpose was to make sure that Luke and the rest of you know Han, Leia, Chewbacca, and the rest were able to escape. You know, that was his ultimate purpose for this journey, right? So he notices that they're there, and he lets Darth Vader strike him down. Now, his body did disappear, and he becomes one with the Force. As we'll see late in later movies, what exactly that means. Um, but he's still able to guide Luke, you know, this you kind of supernatural aid. You know, able to talk to him. Not, not directly, I mean, it's more... You know, he tells him, use the Force, Luke, or run, Luke, you know. And, um... Got some HBO vibes in their head, talking to him. What do you mean? Well, I don't know, everyone's always like, oh, I need to put on a tinfoil hat to keep the FBI from hearing my brain talks. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, yeah. You take off the tinfoil hat. <laughs> you know, and... That's a big deal, because, like, that's when... I mean, everything in this movie's a big deal, because it's really just the start of everything. The domino effect of where Star Wars is today. But... It was just amazing, and, and Luke was just, it It was a big deal to Luke, enough to motivate him to keep moving, you know, and then they they make it to Yavin 4, where, where the rebel base is located, and um, they go and they, they get the plans to the Death Star, and they find its weakness, and they go to destroy the Death Star, and all these... You know, one thing that, like, not bothered me, it's just I think it's funny, is, you know, Luke is this farm boy from Tatooine. Like, I mean, it, it was already made clear at this point that he is a good pilot. But it's just funny, like, he just, in in, in no amount of time, I mean, we're, we're talking probably less than 24 hours, Luke just figured out how to pilot an X-Wing and, you know, knows all of the, you know, rebel flight protocols of you know red four and you know the red the call signs and things like that it's just kind of funny to me but anyway so they go to destroy the death star and all these trained pilots can't torpedo the hole and luke is just like all right i got this right so he goes down to the alley and i think it's really cool because darth vader's on his tail darth vader's like you know i got you and han solo just comes up out of nowhere and you know shoots darth vader you know I'd say out of the sky, but into space or whatever. <clears throat> and, you know, Luke goes down and they have their computers and, you know, Obi-Wan says, use the force, Luke. And so Luke puts his computer away and he's like, I'm going to, I got this. Even people at, at the command base on Yavin 4 were like, Luke, is something wrong? Your computer's off. He's like, no, I got this, bro. And he goes and he gets up there and first shot, boom right into the hole and the you know they leave and it's just big deal and I love the explosion of the Death Star I think it's one of the coolest looking things in the world and you know that is for this movie the ultimate boon which is another stage on the hero's journey cycle you know everything in this movie pretty much built up to that 
And at that point, that was a big stepping stone for Luke is as far as where he will go as a Jedi because that's really... Although there has been times in the movies, in this movie, where he was sure that the Force was something that, you know, that existed and, and worked with, but in my opinion, this was his first big step into becoming the Jedi Master that he'll become one day because this was, like, his ultimate buy-in. He's like, all right, I know the Force works. I got this, right? And... Honestly, the last thing on this movie, in my opinion, that's a big deal, is the celebration. Except Chewbacca doesn't get a medal, which is not fair. It's because he's a dog. I'm just kidding. What? No. Bad Morgan. They don't let pets have medals. Chewbacca's not a pet. He's a companion. <laughs> that's what a pet is. No, not... No. Okay. So, with, with all that said, I know I did a lot of the talking in this episode... You know, well, it, I kind of figured that's how it would be. You know, you're a lot more um, in tune to what is all is happening, and well, and, yeah, and you know, ho- hopefully, in the next few episodes with Star Wars, you kind of enjoy them more. You know, yeah. and oh, well, I'm excited for four, five, and six, or one, two, and three. However, one, two, jeez, th- oh, yes, episodes one, two, and three. Yeah, yes. I'm excited to watch. This. I have a lot more to say about those. Well, I think five and six you'll enjoy a lot too because. There's, there's so much to talk about. I mean, I had trouble with this one. I mean, kind of closing thought on this. I had trouble getting through this one. We had to... <laughs> we watched it, and I pretty much got distracted on my phone because it was just so slow. And so we had to go back and rewatch it again. And it was just... It was hard to keep my attention on it. It was slow and 70s cheesy, and I had a hard time. Cheesy is not the right word. Well, either way... You know, I think we're going to have a lot more to talk about. I think you're going to enjoy the next, you know, few movies. I know, obviously, from what you're saying, you weren't crazily impressed with this movie. I didn't not. I mean, the ending was good, and the beginning was good. It's just the, there was a big lull in the middle for me. and Not necessarily in the middle. It was, like, right after the beginning parts. Okay. Well, any other final thoughts on you? No, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see the other ones. Yeah. See what I haven't seen yet. Yeah. For me, is I'm I'm excited to talk more about the hero's journey, um, and talk more of what that means to the Star Wars story. And you know, the other thing too is you know just how how the Force plays such a big part in everything that happens here. So, with that said, you know, stay tuned. We'll see you tomorrow, tomorrow. for Episode Five. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. All right. Please subscribe, rate us, and let us know what you think in a review. Find us on anchor.fm and leave us a voice note letting us know what you want us to watch next. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, find out more at anchor.fm backslash discussing Disney Plus.